1: Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. I'm so grateful to be here today, and I'm I'm sitting in this gratitude a little bit more, just listening to all of the um, amazing segments so far this morning. You know, Glenn kicked it off by asking, <laughs> "What if you had somewhere where you worked where you wanted to show up on Labor Day?" and uh, and I'm here. And then Brad talked about gratitude, and I am. I'm so grateful to be here. I've been really thinking about what I wanted to speak on today. I've been thinking on it really intentionally. Um, If you've heard me here before, you're probably used to and tired of me saying a role and a goal, a role and a goal. Whenever I create content, I always think about a role and a goal. And what's been so interesting to me in this segment in particular is that I've been kind of exploring a little bit over the past few weeks. I've been you know, is my is my role in this time slot to speak as me, as Sarah, talk about content, talk about communications? Is it for me to think, you know, holistically about Breakfast with Champions and interview some new voices and some afternoon mods? How am I going to add the most value? Um, and then last week, we did more of a I did more of a marketing based hour and we workshop with some people, and I just felt lit up. It really brought me back to where i started on clubhouse i started uh on marketing mondays actually in marketing club founded by uh mike prasad and dahlia strom and rob burdolph and i just remember that's where i really found my footing on clubhouse we would run these marathon rooms and we would do basically marketing workshops for people and i remember these people who were you know further along in their careers than i was with greater accolades than i had saying you know we we want to hear your voice and it just really showed me the power of the platform initially. And that's actually where I connected with Brad. We were uh marketing Monday OGs over there, and uh and so after last week, I was like, All right, you know what? Monday mornings, I'm gonna dive right into marketing, and then something happened last Wednesday, and it's funny because she just texted me. Kristen Kingsbury just texted me. Oh, sorry about that, y'all. I'm on my I'm on my Bill Houser, so someone just drove by me. Um so last Wednesday, Kristen Kingsbury did a segment on taxes, and it was energizing. It was energizing. Like, literally, whenever she asked me to put on mic, I was like, how do you make talking about taxes, like, I, like, I want to go back, and I want to listen to it on the podcast, and I want to get my husband to listen to it, and, like, it's like, you're amazing. You're talking about taxes, and it is motivation, education, inspiration. It's lighting me up. It's getting me excited. It's making me think about, how, how, like, what I do with my taxes. And I and I sat in that reflection and I realized that actually I don't want to talk about marketing today. I want to talk about something that's really on my heart in this season because I feel like the message is coming through me. And I want to talk about grief. And I want to do it in a way that honors this stage. We're not gonna get heavy, we're not gonna get gruesome, but I just feel the heavy heartedness in the country, in the world. And I think that when you're new to grief, or when someone around you is new to grief, it can be like a foreign language. It can be so confusing. Um, And I think that, you know, to clarify, I'm not a grief therapist, (laughs) I always like credentials. I'm not a social worker, I'm not a grief counselor, I'm just someone who's on the path. And I think sometimes when you're newly on the path or you're on the outside looking in, when someone who's a few steps ahead of you holds their hand back to walk alongside you, it's powerful and it's helpful. And so i've been thinking about it since wednesday but i want to talk about grief today i want to talk to people who are grieving or heavy-hearted i want to talk to people who have those people in their life because i think over the past 18 months we've had more and more and more people join us on the path than maybe we would have expected um and i think that that's what i can really bring to this room and to this table today because that's what's on my heart that's what's coming through me that's why i was like i had to get up and walk even though barb says sit still and be inside because the sound quality is better had to get on my bill hauser and just and <laughs> walk it out and and share some thoughts with you all so the first quote that i wanted to share with you there's a poem and forgive me i don't know who it's by if you dm me i can find you the whole poem and uh and share it with you afterwards but the last line of the poem is what if grief is just love with no place to go what if grief is just love with no place to go that line really changed my life. I think I only found that poem a couple years ago and it was so powerful for me because so often in our society, in our cultural understanding of grief, we think of it as a deficiency. We think of it as something that we need to move on from, something we need to get over, a hindrance, something that's holding us back, something negative. Oh, you're still grieving. Why are you still grieving? Here's what's interesting. We don't see love as a deficiency. If your person, if your spouse or your child or your siblings or your best friend or your parents are still here, we see loving them as natural and beautiful and important. Look how much love that person has for their people, right? Look how much love that person has for their people. So if grief is just love with no place to go, then your expression of grief, your feeling that on your heart months and years later shows what a profound capacity for love you have in this world that you won't let that love go I think that's beautiful I think that's extraordinary I think that's powerful so if there's anyone in your life who said to you why are you so grieving why do you have so much grief right now I want you to know that it's an expression of love the next powerful grief quote for me so Megan Devine of Refuge and Grief she wrote the book called it's okay not to be okay she has an account called Refuge and Grief on Instagram which just makes me feel seen. (laughs) People are always like, what are you doing following a grief account? And I'm like, Megan Devine just makes me feel seen. She writes posts about feeling uncomfortable in the grocery store. She just gets it. I just love her. So one of the things that uh, Megan Devine says is that grief lasts as long as love lasts. It's kind of a very similar thread. And what does that mean? She talks about the fact that we are taught that you lose your person. But you don't just lose your person. You lose your future with person anyone who's actually walked the path of grief knows we know that it's not just that you lost the person it's that every family photo that you take for the rest of your life they're not there every thanksgiving dinner for the rest of your life they're not there every birthday that you have they're not there to wish you happy birthday you know i know for me i had a moment before my person's birthday i can't remember if it was last year or the year before my husband was at a football game and i just sat on the bottom stair of our steps And i just cried because i was looking at the place on the wall where we hang the happy birthday banner when everyone else in the family has a birthday and i wasn't hanging up the banner and i just cried right but that's because grief lasts as long as love lasts and that's okay right think about your profound capacity for love that you don't move on from the people you love the most how powerful is that in this world that you love that hard that should be celebrated that should be heralded. That's what makes you care about people. That's what makes you hug every person you've ever met in your whole life like they're your best friend. That's how you can get on the phone with someone for the first time and make them feel seen and make them feel understood. That's how you can listen to people and really listen because you love that heart. And while we're on the topic of tears, one of my favorite quotes is from Glennon Doyle. Uh, and she has this quote where she says, um, I don't cry because I'm a messy person. I cry because, or I don't cry because I'm a mess. I cry because I'm a deeply feeling person in a messy world. And the next part of that quote, she says, when people ask me why I cry so often, I say for the same reason I laugh as much because I'm paying attention. So what if instead of your grief holding you back and your tears being a sign of weakness or deficiency or needing to move on what if your grief is love and what if your tears are you paying attention what if your grief is love and what if your tears are you paying attention i don't know who on this stage needs to hear that today but i just wanted to say that you are powerful and you are a force for love in this world and that's why the heavy things in this world are weighing on you that's why you're so deeply feeling things. that's why you're not just letting go and moving on, you are walking in authenticity and I'm proud of you and I see you. And I wrote all of these notes since Kristen Kingsbury talked about taxes on Wednesday because I just wanted to talk to you this morning and I wanted to uplift you. So it was really important to me in the first part of my talk today to talk to the people who are on the path. And then in the second part of my half hour today, I wanted to talk to everyone who someone in their life is grieving, because that's maybe one of the other things that that people come to me with, because I'm super open, super open about my journey. I'm super open. Uh, I'm an open book uh, about all things. And one of the things that I hear all the time is like, I don't really know how to support this person. I don't really know how to be there for this person. And my biggest piece of advice, I think I've said this before on stage, I think this plays in all scenarios, but it definitely plays in grief is to just show up. Be a show-up person. I don't think there's anything more powerful in this world than being a show-up person. And I'm gonna tell the two pizza story and I'm gonna try and tell the two pizza story without crying. But usually the two pizza story makes me cry, but I'm gonna do my best not to cry as I tell the two pizza story. So when my person passed away, I was enveloped in love. Actually, when you talk about someone who's just believes in the power of social media and the power of social audio and and all of those things, it just so happened that uh, because my husband is a college football coach, we were away from our communities when this really poignant moment in our life happened. And so I happened to be sharing daily updates on Facebook because it was the only way that I could touch hundreds of people at once. Uh, and we thought that it was gonna be a really uplifting story. Um, so hundreds of people were following along and then hundreds and hundreds of people came to the funeral and it was, it was so, uplifting in that moment and I felt seen and I remember hundreds literally hundreds of people who hugged me who maybe they were people I was close to maybe they were people I was distant with they were all family on that day and they all hugged me and they all said that they would be there for me for whatever I needed for the rest of my life and it just meant so much to me but the thing is we all we all have lives to lead we all have businesses to run we all have families to attend to we all have things that that vie for our attention and I'll tell you another thing that I think is broken in grief culture is how often we check a box I went to the funeral I checked the box they have a fund I donated one year I checked the box I uh I sent a card in year one I checked the box and then we fall away and and that's not necessarily bad but it's not helpful you know I, I can't tell you year over year over year the number of people who fall away in the littlest things how meaningful the littlest things would be like if there's someone in your life who you really love and they then they lost someone and you went to the funeral just imagine if you i'll say this if you have the living people in their life in your phone to send a card or a barbie dream house on their birthday it would be meaningful if you also picked up the phone or sent a card and had the birthday in your phone of the person who you're not buying a Barbie dream house for. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna put that out there. So for us, it was about year four after my my person passed away. And year four was the first year that even the people who I would have expected um, didn't reach out. And I don't say that in a begrudging way. I say that from a place of like real hurt. I remember calling my dad and I was just in tears. So my husband's one of seven, I have one brother, Um, our parents are living. We have aunts and uncles and cousins who were fortunate enough to see on the holidays and and all the happy occasions. And they did, they all came to the funeral and they all donated in year one. But it was year four. And uh, my brother and my sister-in-law sent me a text. One of my husband's siblings called us. Um, My mom sent me a text and I called my dad. And I was just shattered. And I was like, is four years all it takes? Like, we live by a lot of family. We live by a lot of friends. Nobody stopped by. Nobody sent a card. And it just felt like such a strange comparison. But as I said, you know, for my girls, we get the Barbie dream houses and so many toys that I'm like, we got to donate some of these because people are just way too generous with my girls. But it's year four and there are no cards and there were almost no phone calls and nobody stopped by. And the number of people who didn't even shoot a text and I just was so confused. I didn't understand it. It felt like a betrayal from all of the people who said to me, I'm going to be there for you forever. I was like, is this like, is there an expiration date of how long of people's capacity for caring and loving and seeing and witnessing and walking with you? And um, my dad was in Arizona. He works in Arizona half a month. So I called him. He was in Arizona. And uh, the next morning, he took a flight back. And on the way from the airport, he picked up two pizzas and he came to our house and he knocked on the door because he wanted to make sure that someone had brought us food that weekend. Oh, I told you it's so hard for me to tell the two pizza stories without crying, but it's two pizzas. You know what I mean? And in that moment, I just felt like, I mean, I've known my whole life that I have like the storybook dad, like he's just always been that dad. I'm super grateful. Both my parents are are excellent people. Like Brad was talking about his parents earlier. I'm super, super, super blessed. That they love hard, and maybe that's why I grieve so hard in my life. Um, But it was two pizzas, you know what I mean? And so I just think that if you're on stage and you know someone who's going through a hard time, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, the most grandiose gesture that you can think of. I really think shooting a phone call to the person who you know who lost a person, whether it was a month, a year, or 10 years ago on their birthday or or even just on a random day. You know how much it would mean to me if someone called me up and said, I saw the sunrise and I thought of your person this morning. Like, that's so beautiful. I think that's how we stay connected in this human condition. So often people are talking about connection. How do we stay connected right now? And I think sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. I really think if you just pick up the phone and say, I thought of you, I thought of your person, you feel connected right in that moment. It's so powerful. It's so profound. So there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about in my talk today because it's the other thing that I learned um, on this pathway, and that is peace. And that is the fact that, you know, I agree with what we talk about so frequently on this stage around hustle. I do. And I agree with what Glenn said this morning about uh, discipline and not being lazy and not being slothful. I agree with that. Um, and Barbara had a really powerful segment on Saturday when she was talking about the importance of the fourth quarter. And a couple of people tapped in, and my ears perked up, as I've said a few times. You know, my husband coached college football for the first 10 years we were just together. He still coaches high school football. Um, and so people started talking about the quarters of a football game. And the question was posed, well, why don't we run – a two-minute drill the whole game. Imagine how many points we'd score if we started with a two-minute drill from from the very first time the ball was snapped at the top of the first quarter. Well, as someone who's watched way too many football games, I can tell you that that wouldn't work. That strategy, it wouldn't work. And once again, I mean, I will I will qualify. What I need to to qualify here and say that um, not only has my has my husband been a coach the entire time we've been together, but that also means that we have ESPN one, two, three, you classic NFL network, big 10 network networks, that play championships from the eighties that you didn't even know played football games that he gets to watch all day and all night for professional development. So I've, I've seen a few football games in my day. And the thing is that, yes, you will score faster in a two minute drill, but you can't start with a two minute drill in the first quarter. First of all, because you're limited with the number of plays you can run. You can't just run the ball up the center of the field. You don't do that in a two minute drill. Second of all, you'll exhaust your offense. Even enough tempo offense doesn't move that fast. Third of all, you'll exhaust your defense. Can you imagine if instead of your quarterback sitting back in the pocket, your offense taking as long as they need to run down the clock so that the other team's offense doesn't have as much time on the field. If you just ran, Two-minute drills, two-minute drills, two-minute You would be on the field, off the field. Your defense would be back. it would be exhausted by halftime.
2: Have- hey, listeners. If you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day.
1: You have to be methodical and you have to be slow and trusting and strategic in your team and thoughtfully manage the clock. And think about, you know, at what point do we want to run out the clock right at what point do we want to take our time do we want to sit back do we want to trust our offense and our defense because it's not a two minute drill for all 60 minutes it's only at the end of the game and the reason why i'm mentioning that is that one mistake that i made in my journey and one thing that i think that we do to people who are walking the path of grief is we push hustle culture on them before they're ready we tell them they should be running a two-minute drill in the first quarter of their life right after they lost their person. Or when they're dealing with it and you don't need to you can play the first quarter in the first quarter you can get comfortable you can make some smart plays you can get your footing you can move strategically because you'll always have the two minutes to run the two minutes towards the end of the game if you need to you don't need to do that in the first two minutes of the game so uh i took a lot of notes as i said ever since i heard kristen kingsbury talk about taxes on wednesday and uh come to the bottom of the page with a few minutes left. So I'm going to look for some mic flashes if anyone wants to uh, tap in on what I've been speaking about today. I see
2: Dr. Rowe will come to you first. Thank you so much, Sarah. I am in that phase right now. I am in that phase right now. So I thank you for your message. For your kind words, for always checking on me. As you know, we share the same date of memory, but this month is the hardest. The hardest in my family ever. And it's something that I'm a strong person, but man, you know, when reality hits you, it's hard, it's tough. And um, the greatest little things, like um, my neighbors out of the blue, sending blue flowers to me last year on that day or just a call or a text or people understanding that when someone loses someone if you say oh you should get over it it's like don't say that just pray for them cry with them sometimes or just be there because it is tough it's difficult so i thank you for that i thank you for all the friends on this stage And people who aren't here, who've been there for me through this grief process. Um, And I just have to shout out Glenn, because he doesn't know this, but when the reality hit me, that my son was in heaven, a box showed up, and I didn't know what it was, and I opened it. It was a box of cereal, and I just busted all laughing. A box of cereal with Glenn on the box, and I wish I had videotaped it, because I laughed so hard, and I haven't laughed in a long time. But, I just say thank you for mentioning what you're saying. There are people that are hurting, even though we show up every day, it's hurting. So thank you.
1: Well, Dr. Rowe, I just wanna just envelop you in so much love um, and just thank you for your your openness and for the way that you show up and just um, just surround you with so, so much love in this moment. And I also want to encourage anyone who wants to support Dr. Rowe, on her clubhouse profile, she has information about the incredible uh, organ donation drive and movement that she's doing in memory with her, of her son. And I absolutely want to encourage you to click on that. I saw Donna blinking, and then I promise I will look for more mic flashes.
2: We we'll love you, Dr. Rowe. Yes, we do. Love you, Dr. Hey,
3: Sarah. We love you, Sarah. Hey. Sarah and Dr. Rowe, both of you. Obviously, um, you know, I know both of your stories spoken to um, both of you individually. And, you know, while I'm not in a position where I've lost someone like that in that capacity, it's been um, just so incredible to learn from you guys and to grow from you. And what you're saying here, it really touches on I think the idea of when you said be a show up person, I wrote that down in the in the back chat. I said, that's my goal in life. I want to be a show up person. And I think so many of us and I don't know if anyone feels this way, but I struggle with this feeling of I don't want to bring it back up. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to um, maybe recycle old feelings. What if they're not really feeling sad today? Maybe I shouldn't call. You know, and I go through this with a lot of my um, my circle who have had really, really, really big losses, especially in the last year or two. So any suggestions? Um, you're saying always make the call, always do the yes.
1: thing? Yes, Donna, I'm so grateful that you said that because it brings up one of the biggest misconceptions about grief and one of the biggest misconceptions is that if you bring it up to us you're going to be the one to bring up our person and I always say I always say one of the easiest ways to conceptualize it is to think about the parallel person who's living. So for example, it would never be weird for you to call me up and be like, "How's Viv? How's Rhea? I don't forget about Viv and Rhea like when they're at school." You know what I mean? And so I love this question so much because the thing is that you're never going to um, bring up Moses for the first time in my in my day. Like you're never it's never going to be like, "Oh, I forgot." that I lost him and now I remember. Now it's possible hundred percent that that person that they'll cry. And I also think that, you know, you can kind of you can even say to them, like, I don't know if you if you want to talk about this right now, but sometimes, you know, and and you can listen to that feedback. But them crying doesn't mean that you upset them. Them crying meant that you hold you held space for them to think about their person and and, and we think about our, our people every day. Um, I think we got a, I think we got a hot mic situation in here um so no and i mean again everyone's different i always think you never go wrong asking a question you can always ask your friend um you know would you prefer i bring it up or i don't bring it up because there might be some seasons where someone says you know i'd rather not talk about this today or you know i have a work presentation in 30 minutes i don't want to talk about this right now or you know maybe they're different everyone grieves differently there's no right way to grieve. there's no wrong way to grieve. but by and large i would say that the majority of the people who i speak to say bring it up, ask, because if our person was here, you'd ask about them. And so if anything, it feels like a gaping hole when, when you don't ask about them. So I think it's a beautiful thing to do. I saw Miss Susie Miller on mic, and I know that you're an expert in so many things around how people feel and love. So I'd love to come to you next, Susie.
4: Oh my gosh, Sarah, thank you for that. Um, we I was actually typing in the back chat about this very thing that Donna said. Um, thank you for these words today, Sarah. Thank you for opening your heart we have been through a lot of grief and lost um, two very significant people um, when we were young. And I loved your thing about year four. Um, I hate that for you, but the reality of allowing, you know, people the time to grieve grief. I, I mean, I, I'm gonna speak about it differently from listening to you today. I learned from you today um, a way to talk about it in terms of, I always tell people, you know, it doesn't go away and, and to Donna's point, um, show up and you can ask like, Hey, you came to mind today. Your person came to mind today and I'm here if you need me. And one of the the things I learned that somebody said to me that I've passed on that I will say is I'm here if you need me, but I don't need you to need me. And this is something that a lot of people who I've worked with are like, I don't want to bother, but I don't want to press, but I don't. And, or I need to help. So I feel better about myself. And those words, "I, I don't need you to need me. Allow the person to go, Oh, you know, today, like I do, I have a presentation and in 20 minutes, or I can't go there right now, but thank you for, for thinking of me or thank you for being a touch point that just said, you see me and you know me today. If, if we take ourselves out of the equation and we shut, you know, like I need to be needed or I'm awkward about remembering and we just say, Hey, like you said, so showing up doesn't have to be big. Showing up can be little and small. It can be two pizzas. It can be a text. It can be a call. um, but it's that moment of I'm thinking of you. You're on my heart and I'm carrying you and your grief with me today. And that um, is, is balm for our souls. And so that, that's what I wanna share. Like when Donna, especially with what you asked, um, I'm sitting here crying, it's okay to say I'm awkward, but I wanted you to know you came to mind. Because grief is awkward. We don't know what to do with it. But when someone stands in the midst of it with us, that we can just you know lean on them just for a moment. Our shoulders touch uh, metaphorically. And you're like, okay, I got you today. Let me carry a bit of that with you today. It helps us move forward. So um, Sarah, thank you for this today. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. And I'm just
1: sending you so much love. You've been on my heart and my prayers. Our whole community is praying for you and and standing with you this week. Um, And I just love you so much. I know it's 930. Elijah, will you let me break the rules for Brad Caldwell? And then we'll pass over to you.
3: Oh, my goodness. Please continue.
5: Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I think, one, Sarah, really powerful friend, really well done. Um, I lost my best friend 23 years ago. Um, I could go month and day if I needed to. Um, and I know who to show what people are 23 years later. And the list is shorter, but, man, they matter. Golly, I know her mom is going to call me in November around her birthday. And I know that my mom is going to call me and about six people we graduated high school with are going to call me in February around the time when she passed. And man, I think uh, Donna, of course, I could just text you this directly, but I think it's a sweet and important question about calling people. But here 23 years later, from when I was 18 to now when I'm 41, oh, I remember the show up people. I remember them. I look for them. And they helped me through the grief. Mm -hmm. That's still there. You know, it's still there. So those people are important. Really good segment, Sarah.
1: Thank you so much. I just, you know, I want to take one more moment before I pass it over to Elijah and say it's a special space where I think you can show up as yourself and say, this was on my heart share with you and and know um that there's a space for that so i just i feel closer to every single one of you who is here today i appreciate every single one of you who is here today i appreciate glenn for creating this room Mm -hmm. and the ogs for for welcoming me in and just everyone who is here and, and a part of this conversation um and i'll just you know i'll just wrap by saying that if you um are going through a really tough time i hope that you reach out to someone who can help you. If that's a professional, if that's a family member, if that's a friend, um, just reach out and know that you don't have to carry it all yourself. Um, you're not burdening anyone. Um, and I will also say one more time, that account that I referenced was Megan Devine's. It's called At Refuge in Grief. That's At Refuge in Grief, um, And I found uh, it to be uh, a great place of solace.